today we're, we're going to get our, our full Christmas on, all right? So we're going to get, you know, we're going to have angels and shepherds and um, the whole bit, all right? So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 this morning. Here we go. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, we rejoice with great joy this morning. Father, that unto us, God, for us, a child is given, a Savior, Christ, the Lord, the King. We praise you. You are all those things and so much more. Your glory is beyond our comprehension. Your ability to satisfy our soul is far beyond anything else in this life. And so, Jesus, we celebrate you today. We worship you. We ask, Father, that you would forgive us for when we let the small joys, the tiny pleasures, push out the great joy. Father, I pray that you would reorient our hearts this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what we find here in Luke chapter 2 is the most surprising, most unexpected, the most I did not see that coming event in the history of all the universe, okay? God who, who, who spoke galaxies into existence, God who, who for and by and in everything exists, God who dwells in unapproachable light is stepping out of the heavens to become man. An infant, to be precise. And he's going to come and he's going to live the perfect life. And he's going he's to reveal God to us. And he's going to pay our sin debt with his own life. And so here what we have in chapter 2 is heaven is emptying out. All right? And I, I, don't, I don't know how this works in heaven. But I, w- I would feel sorry for the, the angel that had to like stay behind to keep things up. You know, I don't know if that even happened, you know. But surely, you know, maybe was there some poor sap that did not get to go. I, I don't know. But it says, you know, the, a host, an army, a multitude of an army. Would be a literal translation. A multitude of an army of heavenly hosts 
comes to announce this cataclysmic event. All right, so the sky is filled with a multitude of angelic beings. Okay, Isaiah describes them as burning, blazing ones. All right, so each one of them so magnificent and so terrifying that it would trump anything that your eyes have ever seen. And so the, the, this multitude of army of angels fills the sky, and they announce what God is doing through His Son, and who gets to hear it? Shepherds. Don't you love God's cool ways? I mean, who gets to hear it? Shepherds, okay? A handful of guys at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder who spend their nights living with sheep, all right? That, that's who gets to see this. That's, that's who gets to hear it. Isn't that great? You know, I mean, not impressive folks. Not, these are not movers and shakers. These are not the wealthy. They, these are literally guys who live with the sheep. I, I don't have a ton of experience with shepherds, but I, I tell you what's cool is when you go to third world countries. So like, you know, in India, you see them everywhere. They're on the roads, actually. They take the road home. I don't know why they don't take the pasture, but when they're, when they're taking the sheep home at night, you know, they take them out in the pasture, they take them home at night, they actually go down the road. So they just fill the whole blacktop road there, and you like kind of weave through them very slowly with your car honking the whole time you know and so these i've seen a bunch of these guys like like they're just they're birdie ragtag you know uh simple guys who take the sheep out during the day take the sheep in at night i was in north africa this last year in the middle of a large city okay a large city where where, where these kind of two freeways intersect and there's a little patch of kind of sort of grass like not much grass a lot of trash and a little bit of grass there's a shepherd. He's right there. He's got like five sheep, and he's sitting out there with his staff, you know, in the middle of a city, okay? So that, that's, that's kind of the picture that we get here. All right, these, are not, these are not the business owners in Bethlehem. These are not the scholars at the, at the University of Jerusalem. These are not the politicians or the rulers or the scientists. These are the shepherds, okay? God throws a blowout birth announcement, and he dumps the whole load of glory on some guys out sleeping with the sheep. Now, why? Well, I don't know that I can answer that. Let me take two stabs at it, okay? Now, number one, everything about Jesus coming is covered with humility. You know, have you, have you noticed that? So the God of the universe, okay, for whom all glory exists, and we'll, we'll get a picture of his glory here in a minute, okay, he's stepping out of the heavens and into human flesh, and, and he does so with great humility. I mean, that one step down, we talked about this last week, that one step down is beyond our comprehension that God would go from the heavens into human flesh. But not only does he come into human flesh, but he, but he covers himself in humility. He comes to teenage parents. He comes to people in poverty. He comes to a, what we call a third world nation. He, he comes to a, an obscure village. Okay, he, he takes on the role of a servant, and his birth announcement is announced to shepherds. But maybe the real answer to why did God, why did God empty the hosts of heaven to make this announcement to shepherds? Why, why did he do that? And I, I think this is it. God loves to lavish his riches on the undeserving. I, I think he loves to do that. I think God loves to dump his kindness and grace on the undeserving. So, so here's the question I want to start you out with, and then we're going to move quickly into the passage. But why, why do you get to hear about Jesus? Some of you were at the Christmas Eve service last night. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Pastor Gary quote David Platt, uh, the IMB, head of the IMB, head, head of the uh, International Mission Board for the Southern Baptist Convention? Didn't he quote him last night and say that 2.8, was it billion? Is that, is that right? Was it million? I was sitting in the back with Colt. So it's either a million or billion, but I think he said billion, didn't he? 2.8 billion people 
have little exposure to the gospel. Little exposure to who Jesus is. In other words, they live in a place where it's not readily known. It's not readily proclaimed. You're not one of those people. You're one of those people that you've got the whole load dump on you. You know, God, God is, God is, why you? I mean, I, you know, I guess I started asking the question, why shepherds? But then I quickly came around to, man, why me? Why, why do I, why, why me out of, out of all the people on the planet, why, why do I get to know this message to the degree that I do and hear it and proclaim it this morning? So, what'd they see? Well, verse 9, let's start out there. So there's kind of a cool verse at the end here. Verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and had been told them. Okay, so we're going we're to look at those three aspects, okay? So first of all, what they see? All right, what did they see? Well, that's up in verse 9. Okay, so go to verse 9. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with fear. Okay, so what, what did they see? Well, first of all, one angel, probably because if the whole multitude had come at first, they just died. You know, I mean, the heart, their tickers had stopped. I, I, that's, that's my guess, all right? So God, God sends the one first, you know, and the glory of the Lord blazes all around them, right? So they go from pitch black at, at night sleeping with the sheep to all of a sudden it's like the noonday sun where, where this angelic being is and the glory of the Lord. Okay, what's the glory of the Lord? It is, is the blazing brightness of God. It's the radiance of God. It's the magnificence of God. Literally lit up the sky. Glory is a word that describes God's manifold goodness, all right? So God is off the charts. So whatever your chart you're looking at, whether it's love or power or grace or sovereignty or, or creativity or adventure or mercy, God is completely off the chart, all right? So he is blazing with awesomeness, all right? And so they see the glory of God, and notice, verse 9, they are filled with fear. Now, now, that's consistent through all the scriptures. You go to Moses, you go to Joshua, you go everywhere in the Old Testament, everywhere in the New Testament. Every time somebody sees the glory of God, they are at first terrified. Now, now why is that? If, if glory is what I said it is, which it is, it's the, it's the manifold incredibleness, the awesomeness of God, why would they be filled with fear? And I think the answer to that is absolutely that they are sinners. All right, this, this whole notion that we would, if, if we had a chance, I hear people talking like this all the time, if we had a chance, if I had a chance to talk to God, well, I'd ask him this question. No, you wouldn't. You'd be on your face, you know? You'd, you'd, be, you'd be begging that you not be destroyed, okay? That's what you'd be doing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be asking your philosophical question. You couldn't even remember it after you see the glory of God, right? Because we're sinners, and whenever a sinner encounters the glory of God, he expects to be consumed. Let me prove this to you in Isaiah chapter 6. And by the way, Isaiah was a great guy. Isaiah was a holy guy. Isaiah was a, a prophetic guy, all right? And so here's what happens to him in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, the burning ones. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, what's he say? Does I say, say, man, this is cool. You know, does he get his phone out? Start recording, you know. I'm going to post this. Is that what he does? That's not what he does. Verse 5, he says, woe is me. That's a word that says, I'm finished. I'm done. It's over. Woe is me, for I am lost. 
I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Why does he think he's going to die? Because he's a sinner. And whether you know this or not, you would know it if, if, if the glory of the Lord appeared. I mean, you can't dwell before God as a sinner. So the shepherds are in the presence of the glory of God. They, they're, they're, they're scared out of their, their socks. They're, they have great fear because they're unworthy. They're unclean. God could and should crush them. They have no play. They've got no say. They can't run. They can't hide. They can't negotiate. This is it. Brace for impact. It's over. And then the angel says in verse 10, Fear not. You see that? Angel knows, man, these guys aren't going to make it. i got to calm their fears. So in verse 10, he says, fear not. All right? So, so don't fear. And why? Why shouldn't they not fear? Well, it's because the angel has news. All right? He's got news. He says, hold on. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. Because I bring you, this is verse 10, good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. The angel says, don't, don't fear, don't fall apart on me. Why? Why, don't, don't, you, why? why should you not fall apart? Because I've got news that's going to take you from dread and fear to being filled with hope and happiness and anticipation for the future. Why? Verse 11. Verse 11. For unto you. Unto you. For, for you. Okay, what's happening in the city of David is for you. It's God's gift to you. God's doing something for you here, for your benefit. Unto you is born this day. A savior. Now the word savior simply means a rescuer, a deliverer. Now, I, I, I think many of you would say Jesus is my savior. I, I hope you would. Okay, but, but I, I wondered, how does that hit you? When, when, when the angel announces that today for you, know, for you is, is a savior, how, how does that strike you? Right now, 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 how that's going to strike you depends greatly on what condition you believe that your soul is in. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say I'm in Grand Cayman. <clears throat> I, I really like that place, by the way. Let's say I'm in Grand Cayman. I say I'm on Seven Mile Beach in Grand Cayman, and I, I've got my chair there, and it's a it's a gorgeous sunny day and my wife is there beside me i've got a big glass of iced tea on the little table and i've got my kindle and some great historical biography that i'm i'm perusing through and and here in just a minute him and i are ready to put on our mask and fins and snorkel and go out on a reef and see some spectacular stuff and all of a sudden a chopper comes in you know full speed helicopter comes in you know who hovers right over it and, and, and you're hanging on one of them ropes, you know, from the chopper and, and, and it lowers you down and, you know, we got sand just pelting us and getting in our tea and, you know, and, and you grab me and strap me on and chopper flies off and, and onto the airport at Grand Cayman and, and you rush me onto a plane and take me home. I don't call you a savior. I call you something else. It's not a nice name, but I, I don't call you a savior. Let's change it. Let's say I'm on one of our mission trips and I'm caught by the Taliban. And I'm given no food or water for a week. And I'm beaten and tortured every hour on the hour. When I'm not being tortured, I'm blindfolded and thrown into a rat-infested basement to lay in the filth and waste of other prisoners. And finally, it's my hour to be beheaded on television. 
and I'm placed on my knees and a hood's over my head and I hear the knife come out of the sheath, a bunch of stuff in Arabic, and then I hear a chopper coming in. And you're dangling on that little rope, you know? And there's a machine gunner taking out the terrorists. And, and you swoop down. I can't really see what's going on. But I, I feel you grab me and strap me in. And you take me off and, and, and land me at the airport and put me on a plane and take me home. All right, now you're a savior. Now, the exact same thing happened. It was just I was in two different conditions. And, and so when, when you hear the word, when you hear the phrase, when the angel says, you know, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. When you hear that word, a lot of it's going to depend on what condition do you think you're in. There's probably some folks in here don't think they need to be saved. Some folks in here say, man, I've got it all together. I've got it all covered. I'm fine. You know, and so, so it probably doesn't ring very, very exciting to you. It's, it's probably not a meaningful thing that Jesus is a Savior. So it depends on what situation you consider yourself to be in. Well, let, let me tell you what the Bible says. So we, we can all, you know, share about what situation we think we're in. But let me just share what the Bible says. The, the Bible says this. The reality is that Jesus is the only Savior. And when that when that collides with the reality that you're a sinner under the eternal wrath and damnation of hell, when, when that news collides with the reality that the result of your sin is eternal separation from God, that, that it is the just wrath of God Almighty that will fall on you forever in the place the Bible calls hell, in a place where the Bible says you will be separate from God, alone in your rebellion. It's not an eternal party with all your buddies. The one testimony we have from the scriptures of a man in hell is a man who is pleading with someone to go back and tell his buddies not to come there. And why would he do that? Well, he cares about them certainly, but the other reason is he knows there is no comfort for him. There's nothing they or anyone else could ever do that would bring comfort to his soul. The Bible describes the judgment of God as eternal darkness, as weeping and gnashing of teeth, in agony and regret, as a lake of fire, as the smoke of torment. That is what our sin earns us, every one of us. There's no hope of rescuing ourselves. There's no hope of pulling it together ourselves. There's no hope of dragging ourselves out of the sludge of sin. We're sinking deeper and deeper. And our only hope is that someone might rescue us, might save us. But who? We're all in the same boat. You can't save yourself. I can't even save myself. How could we save each other? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we need, we need a Savior. We're looking for and longing for a Savior. And so do you, do you see how Luke 2? Luke 2 is the chopper coming in. You know? That's what Luke 2 is. Here he comes. Here he comes. We, we were at the end. It was going to be bad for us forever. And here he comes. Jesus is the Savior. Good news of a great joy for all people unto you is born this day in the city of David. A Savior. 
The only one who can rescue you from the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. I think imagination is a great tool. Why don't you use that this morning? Use your imagination right now just to stretch and and, and imagine for a moment the greatest loss that you could possibly experience. I suppose everybody would have a different thing in their mind. But imagine, what's the greatest loss I could experience? What's the worst tragedy? What's the most pain? What, stretch your mind to, to just conjure up and, and, and figure out what is the, the most immense and horrific calamity that could possibly happen to me. And what the Bible is saying is, your sin meant you were certainly headed for worse than whatever's in your mind. And Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who can rescue you from all of that. Who can save you. And not just rescue you from your sin. But bring you into fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. Jesus is the one who can rescue you. From losing everything that's valuable to you. So what's the good news of great joy? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And then he goes on. Who is Christ? Okay, now if, if you were a Jew, this would probably this word would be packed full of meaning. Maybe, maybe it's not so much for us, but the word Christ is the anointed one, it's the Messiah. Basically, it's the fulfiller of all of Israel's expectations. So, so the, the entire Old Testament, everything that's promised, everything, everything that God said, I will do this for you, I will make this right, I, I, will, I will give this to you. All of those, all of those packed together, every, everything from Genesis all the way to Malachi, all of that is fulfilled by the Messiah. Okay, so Jesus is the one who's going who's gonna to fulfill every promise. So in, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, and God told Adam and Eve, or he told Eve, I think it was, he said, you're, you're going to have a child or a seed, and, and that seed, Satan's going to crush his heel, and, and the seed's going to crush Satan's head. Well, that's Jesus, right? So all the way from that first promise... All the way through Isaiah 9, 6, when, when Isaiah tells us a child's going to be born, a son's going to be given, the government's going to be upon his shoulder, his name's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the increase of his government and peace will be no end. Okay, that's, that's the Messiah. All right, and so, 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 so the angel tells him, he's, he's going to be a Savior, he's going to save you, he, he's going to be the Christ, and he's going to be the Lord. He's going to be the, the ruler, the master, the boss, the king. And then he summarizes this message and says, this is a good news of a great joy for all people. You know, if the message of a Savior, the Christ, and the Lord is is not the news that triggers great joy in you, why? Have you ever thought about I thought about that a lot in the last couple weeks. Um, December just tends not, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't be Scrooge today. Um, but it just is not a, a, a month that's like real, like, like, you know, on Hallmark, it's always like somebody with hot chocolate and the snow is falling outside. Have you seen that? You know, and like there's like soft music and they're in a nice sweater and they're kicked back. And, you know, man, that is not that's not December for us. You know, December is like you get to the Christmas program, you know, after you've had basketball practices and everything else. And you sit down there and the lady says, welcome to the Christmas program. And Colt blows out his diaper all through the, you know, back of the onesie. And Emma's like, I brought the diaper back. I forgot to get it back out. You know, I got to run home. You know, I mean, that's what this, that's the whole month is that, you know, that that's the whole month, you know, 
And, uh, you know, it's always the, it's the, it is the season to get the respiratory disease at grandma's where no one can help you. You know, I mean, it's kind of that. I'm sorry. It just is. Maybe someday it'll be Hallmark for me. You know, I don't know, but it's not now, you know. And so I, I, I began to ask myself, you know, I was just asking myself, let's go. And I'm, I'm thinking about, man, the incarnation and Christ coming. And this is, this is good news of a great joy. And, and so here's the reason. Uh, it may not be to you because you, you just don't believe it. That's possible. I got to start there. This is not real to you. Like, you don't think you need to be saved. You think you're going to live Grand Cayman, Seven Mile Beach your whole life, and just it'll be that way forever because you're a great guy, and you do great things, and you're awesome, and why wouldn't God want you, man? You're just, you're the coolest thing. I mean, maybe that's what you believe, and man, okay, so I can see why this would not be good news or great joy, but there's others of us who, who know, man, I'm a wretch, and, and, and my only hope out of hell is Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross for me, his perfect life, his righteousness in my account. That's my, that's my only hope. So why would it not be good news of a great joy? Okay, so let me, let me give you my insight. Here's what I think it is. I think that it could be that we are too focused on, are you ready? Okay news of a small joy for you alone. See, I I think if, if this is not good news of a great joy for all people for you, it could be that you're just, you're just so focused on okay news of a small joy for you alone. I mean, what, what could make the news of a rescuer from heaven swooping down to snatch you up before you plummet into the depths of the lake of fire? What could make that uninteresting? What, what in the world could beat that? Well, maybe when your heart's looking only for a new jacket from a cool store or a new rifle to put in the gun safe or a new necklace to decorate your neck or maybe the pledge of love from the newest crush or a small... Bonus of $100 bills from your boss or a sharp increase in the price of oil or some tender words from a husband or an affection from a wife or maybe time off from a job. Maybe those okay news of a small joy for you alone. If you're that, if you're, you see what I'm saying? Like if, if, that's an, if, that, if that's an idol, then maybe that keeps us from the good news of the great joy for all people. So, Notice that what happens here, okay, so the news the angel brings, all right, that, that eclipses the fear, all right? So, so fear is definitely an appropriate response to seeing the glory of God. We talked about that. Um, but, but when the news with the glory is there's a Savior, there's Christ, there's the Lord, then, then it becomes joy. It becomes the appropriate response to Christmas is, is joy. Even though there's a thousand things that could steal our joy this season. You know, most everything else about Christmas will disappoint you. You ever notice that? <laughs> Somebody had on Facebook, I've, I've looked at Facebook a bunch this week because we've been trying to promote our services and make sure everything, but one of you guys had this little video of this little girl, and she opens up a present. I think it was a guy. I didn't, I didn't listen to the sound. You know how it just, like, plays. Why? Anyway, she opens up a present, and it's, uh, it's like just a piece of wood, and it says iPad on it or something. Did you guys see that? Anyway, you know, she opens it up and she just starts like she like like her face goes from excitement to dread, and then she just starts crying. You know, it's just and it's a cruel joke. You know, <laughs> who would think that's funny? Me a little bit, but not not. I shouldn't have. 
Jesus is never disappointing. Ever. Man, his coming changes every other thing. His coming transforms the rest of our lives. The joy that comes from Christ brings indomitable joy. The joy that comes from Christ cannot be squelched or stamped out. Come what may trial or hardship or grief or loss, the joy that comes from Christ is unstoppable because Jesus himself is unstoppable. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope, a hope that lives through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is, I love this, what God is giving, what God is bringing is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. Man, the coolest one of those words to me is unfading. It will never get less. It only grows a billion years in heaven. More exciting than the first day. Wow. That's, that's, what, that's what is happening in Bethlehem. Now, Final thing the host of heaven uh, say in verse 14 before they rocket back into heaven, however that happened, had to be cool to see, is uh, together they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now the, the word peace, that's a great word. Remember it a couple of weeks ago is, is actually the Hebrew one we were looking at in the Psalms, which is shalom, which is kind of this total well-being, this um, you know, harmony. Uh, okay, but the, the, the Greek one is similar. Okay, so welfare, harmony, freedom from worry. Okay, so, so, so the, the, the angels say this. They say peace, but then notice this, among those with whom he is pleased. Now, listen, God's not pleased with everybody. God's not pleased when we do not acknowledge him as our creator, the life giver, the owner and sustainer of all that exists. God is not pleased when we break his laws and scoff at his word and treat him as if he's a liar. God is not pleased when we ignore him and refuse to own up to our sin and treat the coming and sacrifice of his son as if it were a small and insignificant thing. God is not pleased with sin. God is not pleased with unbelief. In fact, the thing that God is pleased with Hebrews eleven six tells us, notice this. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. All right, and so, so in, order, in order to please God, you've got to have faith. You've, you've got to be fully convinced that, man, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. You've got to be fully convinced that God is worth it, every bit worth it. Like, he, he never disappoints. Your hope's got to be in him. Notice what they do next. So the angels give their message into heaven. Verse 15 and 16. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, I, I, lo- I love this. They, they hear the word of, of good news, of great joy. And what, what is the next thing they do? They hightail it to see it for themselves. They won't they want experience it. Okay, in other words, hearing the good news, okay, embracing and believing that, leads to a pursuit. Are you seeing that? It, it leads to a, I got, I got to go find this. I got to get this. I got to experience this. I got to see this. I want more of this. And notice they didn't wait till morning. 
They didn't wait till their shift was over. They didn't wait till they had everything just like they wanted it. Didn't wait till they had someone to watch the sheep. Didn't wait till they had time. Time's an interesting word in December, isn't it? They didn't wait till they had time. You know what they did? They immediately sought to experience this for themselves. They just, the most phenomenal things that ever happened in their lives just happened. And they're like, we have got, this changes everything. We got to have more. We've got to go see this one. And so verse 16 says they made, they went with haste. It's a cool word. It means to hurry, to go quickly, to be zealous, to exert oneself. There's an urgency to the message that the shepherds heard. There's an urgency to the message that you hear today. In other words, it demands this immediate response with haste. If you believe it, then you'll act. Okay? You'll act. You'll go. You'll pursue him. You'll want to know him. This, this, Paul never got out of this, by the way. End of his life. Okay? So, so he, he actually has a similar experience. Remember, remember the Apostle Paul? So he's, he's, uh, he's, he's on the Damascus Road, heading to persecute some Christians. What's he see? This glorious light from heaven. Right? What's he hear? A voice speaking to him, right? Paul, Paul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Right? He, he has this experience, and, and so he has a similar type of thing happen to him, and, and it leads him on a relentless pursuit of Jesus all the way to the end of his life. And at the end of his life, as he's in a Roman jail cell, about to die, it's been decades since the, since the experience. You know what he says? Philippians 3.10, he says, man, here's the deal, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And then he goes on to say, you know, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward what lies ahead. He's still in pursuit. He's still, I want more of this Jesus. They make haste. Now, the last thing they do, okay? So, go to pursue. They go to see. They want to see it themselves. I want to experience it myself. And then the last thing they do, verse 17 and 18. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So the last thing they do is they leave Bethlehem and they go tell everybody what happened. Now let me just ask you this. What qualifications did these guys have to be going out and explaining the incarnation? What, what qualifications do these guys have? I mean, do, do they understand everything about Jesus? Do, do they get the whole Old Testament, all the Old Testament references about the Messiah? Do they understand how Jesus can be the Son of God? How he can be 100% God and 100% man? Do they get that? Man, we, we had this discussion the other morning in, in uh, Bible study, a group of guys. I mean, we were like walking around in a round room, you know, of, of whether, whether Jesus, you know, could he actually have sinned? You know, were the temptations of Jesus, you know, actual in the sense of could he, could he actually have, could it have been possible for him to sin, you know? And so some guys were leaning on his humanity and saying, yes, you know, he was fully man. Other guys were leaning on his, you know, and we, we discussed it for an hour or so or more before we concluded that nobody in the room had the answer, okay? You know, did the shepherds have the answer to that? Did they understand this, this, what do they call that? The hypostatic union, is that right? So it's it's some big word like that. Uh, Did they they understand how God could be man? Didn't they understand the prophecies of Daniel or that wheel spinning in Ezekiel? Or they know where Cain got his wife. That's one I get asked a lot. Or whether Adam had a belly button or. How many angels could dance on the head of a pin or whether there's a literal millennium? 
It's different than the Millennial Falcon for Star Wars viewers. They know those things. I don't think they knew any of that. None of it. Now, were they gifted public speakers? Well, how would I know that? I, I mean, how would we know that? I don't know, but I, I probably would say this. There's absolutely nothing in the qualifications, training, or daily life of a shepherd that would make him a great orator. Okay, so we can say that, right? Can we all agree with that? All right, so they don't know everything. From what we know, they were probably terrible public speakers. But yet, they're telling everybody. Why? Well, they, they had seen the glory of God. <laughs> they had heard that Jesus was the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And so they told people what they knew. Now, I linger here just because I want you to see the absolute most natural thing for people who have seen the glory of God. People who meet the Savior. People who hear the good news of great joy. The absolute most natural thing is for them to tell other people. And uh, anything else is unnatural. Anything else is a little weird. Right? I mean, that, that's the weird thing. See, we've kind of bought this lie that telling people about what happened, about what is going to happen, about what Jesus said and did, you know, the culture, that's the weird, that's not the weird thing. The weird thing is that you would experience the glory of God and not tell anybody. That's incredibly strange. How would it have been? I mean, just picture it, okay? So, bam, blazing glory, army of angels in the sky, good news of great joy. Today is born to you a Savior, Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. They're gone. The guys are all like, well, that was interesting. I'll see y'all in the morning, you know. Would, would that not have been really strange? And so, I guess what, what I'm urging you toward is, would you tell somebody about Jesus? What a, what a great day to do that. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You, you know, verse 18 leads me to believe that do you see that it says all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds that leads me to believe that not everybody was all in on what they were saying do you get that feeling from verse 18 all who heard him wondered at what they were saying don't you think there was a whole lot of okay yeah you guys saw that did you uh-huh uh-huh right okay Sky full army of angels, huh? A baby who's going to save us all. All right, you guys been with sheep too long. I mean, I mean, it had to. I mean, it says all, all, who, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Well, I, I don't think probably you'll get a different response, honestly. I think you'll get some of that too. But it didn't keep them from telling. For unto you a Savior is born. Is he your Savior? Good news of a great joy. Do you have great joy today? If you did not come in here with great joy, and you're a believer, and this is all yours, then you should repent. That should be your step right now. You should repent. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for letting all this other junk. I'm sorry for basing my whole hopes on okay news of a small joy for me alone. 
That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I have great, great joy. Good news. Do you run to see him? And do you speak his truth to others? Julie, you going to come up and play an invitation for us? As Julie comes, I want you, I want us just to bow and let's just, let's just think this over. My Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you would stir our hearts in great affection for you. God, as we think about um, what we've heard today, as we think about what the shepherds saw and the glory of the Lord and a Savior, Christ the Lord, God, I pray that you would stir us to great joy. God, I pray that you would give some here the, the courage to begin to just speak, to begin to open their mouths and, and describe what they know. Describe who Jesus is and what he'll do and what he's done for them. I pray that there might be opportunities to give testimony. I can't help but think that that would really please you on Christmas Day. So, Father, I I ask you to to move us forward. Move us to, to get more and more of you. Father, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.